Welcome to the Real Python Podcast. This is episode 41. Well, it's been quite the year. The Real Python team has written, edited, curated, illustrated, and produced a mountain of Python articles this year. We also upgraded the site and membership with office hours, transcripts, this podcast, and much more. We are joined by two members of the Real Python team this week, David Amos and Joanna Jablonski. We wanted to share a year-end wrap-up with a collection of articles that showcase the diversity of Python topics and the quality of what our team created this year. Joanna and David helped to shepherd articles through the multi-stage editing process. They make sure that articles not only impart crucial Python knowledge, but also provide a thorough didactic experience. We hope you enjoy this review. And as a programming note, there won't be an episode next week, but we will be back the following week. And we look forward to bringing you a year full of great guests, topics, projects, and articles. All right. Let's get started. The Real Python Podcast is a weekly conversation about using Python in the real world. My name is Christopher Bailey, your host. Each week, we feature interviews with experts in the community and discussions about the topics, articles, and courses found at realpython.com. After the podcast, join us and learn real-world Python skills with a community of experts at realpython.com. Hey, David. Welcome back. Hey, Chris. Good to be here. So we have a, a special guest this week, another member of the Real Python team. Joanna Jabonski is helping us out Yeah, with this episode. Hi, guys. Hey, welcome. Thank you. So we're... Considering this sort of a year-end wrap-up for the Real Python podcast, uh, we're not going to have an episode next week. So this will be kind of our end of the year, sort of spectacular. <laughs> and uh, Joanna's really a, a great person to bring on board, uh, along with David. Both of you guys are super involved in helping carry all those articles to the site that everybody enjoys every week. I wanted to talk a little bit about, I, I mentioned <laughs> we've mentioned Joanna that you're involved in that process way back in episode one with Gerarna. And then I think we talked, I talked to David about it a little bit and talked about the kinds of roles that you have. But do you want to just go over your, your background a little bit with RealPython and what, what you're currently doing? For sure. I um, came on board early 2018. I guess the broadest way to describe what I do is I just run written content at RealPython. We take our articles through a pretty extensive review process and we're really proud of how that's going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy with the content that it's been putting together and just the community that's grown up around it. It seems like a really positive place to learn, which is useful for me too, because I don't really have a traditional CS background. And so when I started, it was basically a way for me to just read and write tutorials all day. So I basically just get to be paid to learn to a large extent. And that's been really cool. Yeah. I think people could probably tell that's sort of my background with RealPython too. I was super excited to come on board and and use these resources as a way to learn. And then, you know, by teaching the <laughs> the tutorials and and now the podcast has been really fantastic to kind of even broaden that even a little bit more get to ask a ask lots of uh basic questions of people <laughs> and hopefully people uh, have those same questions that they want answered. Partly what we're going to do here is go over a collection of articles that we feel like really highlight not only what real Python provides as, as this resource, but also kind of like standout stuff from the year 
And a lot of these we've talked about on the podcast. So we'll mention the <laughs> the episode that they came on. We're not going to do super deep dives on them, but we we want to just kind of talk about like key takeaways, like things that we thought were really great about these articles, why you may be interested in them if you're interested in a particular uh, learning path, and just to provide you you know a good sort of resource. Like, hey, if you miss this, you should check these out this this year if you want to take some time <laughs> over the end of the holidays here to to enjoy them. And so, David, do you want to start off with your first one? Sure. First one I've got comes from Brian Weber, who's been featured, I think, several times now on uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's the Pandas Project, Make a Grade Book with Python and Pandas. This was a really fun article that we, we put together with Brian that takes you through actually putting together a, a, a project, something that you can actually work through completion, and then you have a, a full project. So there's a little bit different in that sense that it's not so much focused on teaching you the concepts of pandas and how to work with it, as opposed to applying those concepts to a real world application. So Brian is a, a university teacher or professor, I guess is the correct term there. Obviously, one of the things of, that he has to do in his job is deal with grades a whole lot. So he has shared in this tutorial one of the tools that he actually uses in his work, which is a pandas gradebook that he uses to calculate all the statistics and keep track of, of everyone's grades and be able to just you know understand how his classes are doing and, and take a lot of the work out at the end of each grading period that all teachers have to do. That's a lot of usually just manual labor. So he's automated a lot of that with, with pandas. So it's a really great overview of how to apply pandas to a real world project. It does assume that you know something about pandas and it's got like a links to prerequisites that you should look at before you, before you dive into it. But otherwise it just takes you step by step into uh, the process. And it, so it's kind of a unique article on real Python in that sense. We don't have uh, at this point, any other examples of this kind of step-by-step project. It's just, it's really fun. I think it, it really shows you the power of, of Python in sort of a non-traditional like CS space, right? Like it's just, you're a teacher. Most teachers probably don't ever think about using something like Python to make their lives a little bit easier. So right. this is a really, really great example of how Python gives you like superpowers, as Michael Kennedy likes to say. Right. Automating the boring stuff, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to exactly. go back to another former guest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this is part of this pandas in data science. Some of these learning paths that we're creating on real Python, right? This is that's what you're saying that the prerequisites kind of line up with this sort of culminating, right? Exactly. Yeah. The prerequisites that you need are can be found in other uh, real Python articles. So you can take everything that you've learned in those and then apply it to this this project. Nice. That was featured uh, back on episode 21, if you want to get a little deeper dive into some of that where we, we spoke about it before, and excited about uh, what Brian is going to bring us in the, in the future here. <laughs> yeah, same. I always like seeing new stuff coming from Brian. He's a good author. My first one is <laughs> one that we featured back on episode 13, which was the first time David was on the show, which uh, <laughs> is both of us were like, wow, okay. <laughs> that seems like a very long time ago as far as all the things that we've been doing. That was and actually pre covid wasn't it um no actually it's just june so it was like before it got as as crushing (laughs) 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 as it is now yeah yeah it's so you know this year is so wild decades ago yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) this was by jason van schooneveld and it's build physical projects with python on the raspberry pi 
I got really excited about this one and I really wanted to talk about it because I have two of them and people have heard me talk about Raspberry Pi on multiple other episodes. And what I like about it is it really went from beginning to end, the beginning of, hey, you have this new device, you need to set it up. And getting it set up for Python is actually quite a few steps. And I really like that about it. It said, okay, here's how to run it on it. Um, here's using the MU, the MU editor or MU editor. <laughs> and then I already mentioned in, on that episode where I was talking about, I set it up for VS Code and was doing remote stuff over SHH, which is really neat. So the idea that you don't necessarily have to have it set as a computer, um, though it is a f- kind of a fully functional Linux computer, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Then it dives into you know really what the, the meat of the Python part is, which is interacting with the physical sensors and getting it connected to electronics and kind of diving a little deeper into that. And that's something we've definitely focused on in a few other episodes. And so sending output to external components, um, hooking up to the uh, general purpose IO little jumpers that are on there. And it culminates in first, like, you know, setting up LEDs and a buzzer and other kinds of simple stuff. And then the end point is to get a motion activated little alarm system. Yeah. Which is really fun. So so I think it's a good way if you you want to start with hardware and Python, it's a good place to start. The advantage of using, say, a Raspberry Pi over some other things is it's a computer. So there's other things you can do with it and explore types of Python, especially if you're doing that with kids. You can not only do the project sides of it, but you also can explore just purely the coding part of it too, which is really cool. Yeah. The, I just want to add that, you know, I did the the technical review for this article and it was so much fun. It was the only, so I've got, to add some context to this, I've got a box and a drawer that's got a Raspberry Pi and a bunch of like just random things in it and that I bought with the best of intentions to really <laughs> dig <laughs> deep into all that stuff. Sure. And, and it's, you know, I've played with it here and there, but it's, it's mainly just been, you know, sitting in my, my drawer and it was really cool and totally unique. I'd never done this for another article where I I actually was able to get it out. And I didn't have all the components, but I had, I think, like 75% or 80% of what you needed for the little projects in it. And I was able to actually build the projects while I was reviewing the article. And it was just a really fun experience. So that was uh, a very fond memories of doing that. It was fun. Yeah. Have you played with the Raspberry Pi at all, Joanna? No, I haven't. But I def- it's one of the topics that shows up in articles that does pique my interest. I haven't taken the <laughs> yeah. plunge and actually, you know, gotten the bits and bobs to do it. But it's there are just so many topics I kind of get um, a bit of a deer in headlights sometimes since there's so many different areas that you can take this in. I'm very good at starting ideas and starting projects, <laughs> but when it comes to actually finishing them, sometimes I might find something else that's a little bit shiny. Yeah, no, I have that slightly ADHD project mentality sometimes myself. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, I I enjoy this one a lot and uh, I look forward to, well, Jason put out one we just talked about recently, um, the Modulo one we talked about in a recent right. episode. So excited to see what else uh, Jason brings out in the next coming year. So Joanna, what do you got for your first thing you want to showcase? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so this one's by Jim Anderson, and um, it was a new format that we tried, and it seemed like the community was pretty into it when I saw um, just the conversation that was happening on the office hours session about it. Jim came in and talked about it, and it seems like people really... yeah found that format helpful because 
it's interactive. I'll get to that in a minute. Basically, uh, it's called Python Practice Problems. Get ready for your next interview. And it's for intermediate Pythonistas who are getting ready for interviews. So you're going to go through a series of progressively harder problems. And these are problems that real Pyth- that the real Python team has actually used in interviews in real life. So it is based in reality and is pretty practical that way. Yeah. But even if you just like doing problems, I think that's fun to do too. Because again, with my um, appreciation for shiny things, often personally, I like doing problems more than I like actually doing projects because sure. you don't really have to get tied up in making, basically getting through some of the maybe less rewarding that has <laughs> to do parts. On, yeah, on, on your, in your free time. So it can be nice to just like pour a glass of wine and do some problems or something like that. <laughs> but in this tutorial, you're going to you know see how to write code for interview style problems and how to discuss your solutions during the interview, which is super important part, which is a super important part because you're, it's not enough to just have answers that work. You need to show that you can work as part of a team and all that. And you can point out some frequently overlooked details that you'd want to catch in that kind of situation. And generally just see how to talk about design decisions and trade-offs and uh, just make the most of the interview and make a good impression on your interviewer. Yeah. So as I was saying, what's special about this one is that it's an interactive article. So instead of just having the solution explained at you, you can like go to the repo and get the skeleton code and unit tests and try to find your own solutions before looking at the answers that the real Python team came up with. And that can help you consider multiple different kinds of solutions and what the pros and cons of different ones could be. And I was saying it also covers some of the non-coding elements of interviews. So for example, if you get stuck on a problem it doesn't have to be the end of the world. You can talk through your thought process and show the interviewer that you can communicate, which is ultimately a super important part of working as part of a team. This interactive tutorial is actually part of an entire learning path on preparing for interviews. So you can check that out. It's called Ace Your Python Coding Interview. And we're also going to be putting out more interactive learning resources like this. Yeah, it was great. We had Jim come on. I, I, I know he came on the office hours. So there's that for members that want to check it out, they can see that episode and him talking about the code in more detail. And then we featured him on episode 27 where he came in on as, as a guest to talk about the article. And he told us about how he was uh, like, I asked him like, have you used these same kind of questions or seen these kind of types of questions in his own interviews? And he mentioned his experience with it. And uh, it's really fun. Jim's a good guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> fellow Colorado. Yeah. I'm excited to see what Jim brings, brings out in the next year here. All right, so that brings us back to David. What's your next one? The next one on my list is Data Version Control with Python and DVC by Christian Ivancic. I Before I get into the article, I just want to say, you know, Christian has written a couple other tutorials for us, and he went on a little bit of a hiatus and then came back with this one, and I, I was thrilled to see another article come from Christian because he's, a, I think, a really fantastic writer, and presents things just very clearly and and has a lot of it's it's easy to follow along with with he's just a natural teacher i think so i was really thrilled to see that and it's also a really fascinating article i was not familiar with this dvc project which literally stands for data version control it's a python it's a python project it's all written in python and you can kind of think of it as like git for data 
so it's this it's a workflow and a tool for actually versioning data and uh, models and and everything involved with machine learning and it really solves a really kind of large problem in that space and so it was just really incredible to see that project and and the work that they'd put into it and it's it's still very new it it literally hit like version 1.0 as uh, Christian was writing the article. So he had to, I think he had to step back and kind of fix a few things that, you know, they'd, they'd maybe changed or finalized a few things about like the API and things like that. So, but yeah, it was just, just a really, really cool project that he was talking about. And he walks you through a whole, the whole process and shows you how to get it installed, how to use this. He compares it to Git. So you, if you're familiar with Git, you can kind of see, because there's a lot of similarities in the commands. There's like a, a DVC commit and a DVC push and pull. And, you know, there's a lot of very similar ideas, but there are a few differences as well. So he's got some really great visual aids in there that really help to sort of clarify how, you know, how things are in some ways the same and how they are actually, you know, somewhat different from each other. Some really cool visualizations. So yeah, overall, you know, if you're in the data space, you know, I think this is just a really cool tool to have in your uh, toolkit and to be aware of. And this is a fantastic article to, to get started with that. It does kind of walk you through an example where you build, you build a model and you have like some data sets and everything, but it's very, I was going to say simple, but it's, it's, it's a, I guess, the focus is not on the the code itself so much as it is just learning how to use this this tool. Right. So he's kept it very approachable with all of that, and you know it's not getting into like crazy machine learning or anything like that. So yeah, highly recommended if you if you're into the data space. It was just uh, it was, I, I just was like, this is amazing. I can't believe I've never heard of this tool. And then it was like, oh, of course I haven't heard of it. It literally <laughs> just came out. So yeah. It's like, man, I wish I had this when I was working as a as a data scientist. So good stuff. So the way that he structures the the code examples that are included there, it looks like you could use it with uh, other types of machine learning and other types of resources. You're saying that it's should be fairly plug and play the way it's laid out. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a pretty generic project that he that he goes through and, and he talks about you know I think you see as you read it that it, there's nothing like specific to this example that he's using uh, it just he needed something right to sort of you know give you a real something you could actually get your hands dirty with and and start you know playing around with all the code for the example is available for download it just you click a link in the article and you can get all that so you can follow along and you don't have to type out any of that code yourself and you can just focus on learning about these commands and how to use the DVC tool. Nice. All right. Brings it to me. <laughs> so this one is kind of a fun one. It's This is by Brad Solomon, who I think we've featured a couple times now, but this is one called What Are Python Wheels and Why Should You Care? You might remember us featuring it in episode 23, and it led to a whole <laughs> launch into the world of um, not only wheels, but also ways to share your code and how to package them. And I brought Edamar on um, in the following episode, 24. Right, and yeah. He, he helped us talk a, a lot about that stuff, which was really, really great. He shared a lot of his experience with packaging things up and, and sharing it. And then shortly after that, I had a couple of people from the PIP team to talk to us a lot about uh, resolving package dependencies. And that was in episode 29, which was really fun to talk to them about what they're doing with the project and you know all the <laughs> all the ways that you know, things that are happening behind the scenes that you don't really realize 
all these people that work on all these tools that, that you may use every day and, and not realize that there's a whole <laughs> infrastructure there. I had not known the word wheel um, at the time. It's one of these things that, again, I was just using pip install and going through it and not really noticing some of the stuff behind the scenes. And this article really goes into like, okay, what, what are wheels and how they compare to um, other types of distributions, source distributions, this SDIST thing you might've seen before, how you can use wheels to control the package installation process. Very often there can be, we went into a whole thing in our previous episode where we were talking about how wheels are, it can be very simple wheels, which are just purely Python and it doesn't matter the platform they're on. And then when they have underlying code, things like C um, or other stuff like that, they need to be compiled and they need mm-hmm. to be then for specific Linux distributions or, well, we this new computer platform came out this year with the, the M1 uh, Apple right. stuff, which that might be interesting too. So all that kind of relates into that. And so it kind of wraps talking about, okay, well, this is what's happening. How would you create and distribute wheels of your own for your own Python packages? And I don't think it's a subject that's really covered that often, or it's kind of one of these things you really have to dig pretty deep to, to, to learn some of these resources. Yeah. So I really like that about it. And it led me into my own sort of journey of deep dive into packaging, which you can kind of follow along in uh, previous episodes of the, of the show. It really helped me see some of the complexity of what's happening and appreciate all the work that's happening. Yeah, it's one of those topics that if you're not like a package author or maintainer, yeah. you're probably never going to brush up against this. Uh, and yet it's so incredibly important because for those of us that consume those packages, if those wheels aren't available or there's something wrong with them, then you know it can, well, we might just not use that package. And so right. if you want people to use it, you know, it's, a, it's something, it's definitely, you know, a more advanced topic. But yeah, I agree. There's not a lot of, I guess, friendly content out there for it. You you end up, I think, having to do a lot of digging into docs and just, you know, maybe trying to find people that just have experience with that. And so it was good to see that being documented uh, on Real Python. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Made me really appreciate, like I said, multiple times now, just like everything that's going on. And one of the things I think we mentioned before, um, I'm trying to remember who we talked about with, but just the idea of trying to get people to understand, hey, you know, like if you're going to share your code, all the things that you need to, to, to go into, not only if you're going to put it inside of the Python, you know, PyPI, or you're going to, you know, do some other things with that, you should understand, <laughs> you know, how those things need to be created properly. And, um, or if you're just sharing code within an organization and uh, having to save the, the resources uh, locally, to have your own repository. So, yeah. This week, I want to shine a spotlight on another RealPython video course. It's titled, Python Turtle for Beginners. The course is based on a real Python article by Nikita Silaperesadi. The course is designed for students and Python beginners. In the course, instructor Darren Jones helps you understand what the Python Turtle library is, you learn how to set Turtle up on your computer, program with the Python Turtle library, grasp some important Python concepts and Turtle commands, and by the end, develop a short but entertaining game using what you've learned. If you're a beginner to Python, then this course will definitely help you on your journey as you take your first steps into the world of programming. And like most of the video courses on Real Python, the course is broken into easily consumable sections and has code samples for the techniques shown. It also includes a shiny new transcript and closed captions. Check out the video course. You can find a link in the show notes, or you can find it using the enhanced search tool on realpython.com. 
All right. So what do you got, Joanna? What's your next one? All right. Next up is uh, called Python Import Advanced Techniques and Tips. And as the name suggests, it's a little bit more advanced than you might expect for something that's on imports. Yeah. Which does kind of make sense because the author is Gerardner, who is a an exceptionally thorough author. Yes. So he really brings it here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, even though importing is a topic that you may cover pretty early in your Python education, this article is a bit more advanced. You are going to cover you know, like how to use modules and packages and namespace packages and how to handle resources and data files inside your packages and how to import modules dynamically at runtime and how to customize Python's import system. So you're going to cover the basics to start with, but then it goes on a proper deep dive into really like what's really going on under all that. And you can see how things can go wrong with collisions. Like if you um, write your own module that conflicts with something that's built in, you can see how to use imports generally to just improve the structure of your code and make it easier to maintain. And the tutorial is really example-driven too. So it's, again, quite practical. You can get the source code for the examples and then follow along with them as you go. And uh, if you want to really get more into imports and learn more about that, but you're a bit more of a beginner maybe, you can check out another tutorial that we have on imports called Absolute versus Relative Imports in Python. So you can check that out. It's not like full beginner. You're still going to have to have some of the background uh, on imports, but you know, maybe you can get that from the beginning of the Python import advanced techniques and tips tutorial and then kind of expand your knowledge to learn more about the whole absolute versus relative thing with the other tutorial. Yeah, I like how this one really goes into like namespaces and uh, all that kind of stuff that that you kind of maybe don't know is happening <laughs> behind the scenes and and being aware of all these kind of like little crucial stuff and like you said, uh, Garon is super thorough and wants to cover like almost all the corners that he can. <laughs> yeah. In an article, which is really great. And he's a, he has been a great guest uh, multiple times on the show. He came in for our Python 3.9 discussion with Christopher Trudeau and had written that article. Yeah. And then he was our first guest, which was really great. Just kind of hear some of his background and <laughs> got me started creating courses with uh, the decorators course. So, all right, David, what do you got? Next one I've got is called Hands-On Linear Programming Optimization with Python by Mirko. And I apologize, Mirko. Next time Mirko and I have a phone call, I need to have him, or maybe I need to have him record how to pronounce his last name. I'm not going to attempt it because I know I'm going to just botch it. But Mirko is a professor of uh, engineering, I believe. And uh, so he has lots of experience with uh, using Python in that space in uh, kind of the scientific computing and engineering applications and everything. And one of the things you do a lot of as an engineer is optimization. And it's a very, I think, kind of a niche topic, but I wanted to uh, highlight it because I think it's really, it's, it's something that not everyone gets exposed to if, you know, if you don't have a lot of math in, in your background, but it's such a powerful technique. If you're working in business or industry, it can really solve some, some problems that you're, you know, trying to figure out like cost analysis or things like this or how to optimize production and things like that. And so it's, it's one of those things I feel like. Uh, more people kind of need to be aware of this and uh, and know that you can do this and and also see that it's 
relatively easy to, to do with Python. There's a lot of things that have already been taken care of for you. And uh, once you sort of understand how it works, then you can apply that using some of these packages. So Mirko talks about what linear programming is. And I think he talks a little bit about, you know, how it works and some of the mathematical background there, which uh, which may be of interest or, or may not, but uh, but there is some some math involved in that. But he got, dives into some actual examples and shows you kind of, the power of this technique and how you can actually use it and discusses sort of the two different implementations that there are in Python, uh, one using the SciPy package and one using the package that I've actually used myself, which is pulp or P-U-L-P. So there's, he kind of talks kind of the differences between those two packages that kind of come from a different standpoint. One is a little bit more like in the functional programming sort of side of things. And one is more in the object oriented side of, of things. So it's two different approaches to the same, the same problem, but, but you get to see how you would solve one of these optimization problems using both of those uh, packages. So definitely I highly recommend it. There's not a lot of, there's not many resources like this out there. I think it's, it's, you unique to real Python in a lot of ways, especially with how thorough it is and I mean, how approachable it is to actually to read the article and get started with it. So uh, Mirko did a fantastic job. I think regular listeners, listeners know that I have, I come from a math background, so <laughs> topics like this are kind of near and dear to my heart, but I was, I was really excited to see that, that Mirko grabbed this. In fact, I think at one point, I was hoping that I would be able to get this this topic, but Mirko, <laughs> Mirko beat me to it. But he did a, he did an awesome job with it. Yeah, so just uh, really pleased to see that out on the site. Yeah, cool. Next one that I have is from previous guest Christopher Trudeau, who, um, if you're a member of the, if you have a Real Python membership, and you, you probably have noticed he's done a lot of work over this last year in video courses put out a bunch of really great ones, not only the Python 3.9 one with all of its features, but he also has had a kind of a focus on Django stuff. He's got a few other Django stuff kind of coming out in the pipeline soon, uh, which I hope people will be excited about. And continuing on that theme, he wrote an article called Customize the Django Admin with Python. If you've messed around with Django a little bit, you probably have you know heard us talk about differences between Flask and Django and kind of the bit of batteries included thing that Django has. And one of the great things that it features is this admin interface where you can kind of create data and do basic interfacing. And it's such a great kind of tool that comes with it. You just kind of start out with this idea of like, you know, building on the model objects that are inside of Django and then adding those attributes into the, the admin interface and then linking everything together, adding filters, creating a search search fields for those kinds of things, modifying, you know, edit forms, and then going all the way up to uh, editing the administrative uh, templates and the template system that's part of Django. And this one is more advanced. It's kind of built on this whole uh, set of Django tutorials that we have, if you will, sort of our learning path for that sort of stuff. And one of the more popular ones that's out there that we have is we have a whole Django part one build a portfolio app which is a really popular, great article that we have on the site. And then also a previous guest, Martin Royce was on and he talked to us about learning through errors and he has his version of this, which is a video course, which is super popular. And I always see a lot of activity going on with that. And then some other prerequisites of like setting up a virtual environment. And then what's a couple other ones I'm trying to remember that also are in there. 
of working with um, Django. But lots of resources. I'll definitely include some of the additional links to that stuff in in that. And I learned a lot recently because I had to review this uh, because it's being turned into a course, and it should be coming out just after this episode. So if you're grabbing this episode over the weekend, it's uh, going to come in between these next couple weeks as a video course, and it's by Darren Jones. And I learned a ton following through it. I've been playing with Django for a long time and I've dabbled in the admin interface, but I hadn't really, you know, gone and deeply customized things. And I just found it really great and really built on my intermediate knowledge and helped me kind of level some of that up. And I learned about something that I I guess I should know by now, but again, I had never used it up to this point, uh, this idea of fixtures, um, which is really Mm -hmm. great of loading data in uh, we've talked about ORMs. We David and I talked about that last week. This idea of being able to migrate things and save those migrations. So if you have to rebuild the database, here's a way that you could actually have data ready to go and not have to manually create all the data and load it in. Like some of the tutorials I've seen, they, they spend so much time with you actually in the terminal typing in individual <laughs> uh, values into a database, which is just so frustrating <laughs> and this thing is great to be able to like have some data as json and be able to load it in as a fixture which is really cool so i'm excited by that and christopher has been a great help throughout this whole year uh in the video course pipeline so i'm excited to uh share this with you guys i think it's a good resource for you yeah he's also one of the few i mean martin has also done this uh, but uh he's one of the few video course instructors that has kind of crossed over managed to <laughs> cross over into the written part of it as well so yeah that's uh that's pretty cool yeah so what do you got next Jonah? all right next up is the python return statement usage and best practices that one's by leodonis who has uh, also been quite prolific <laughs> especially with his whole uh, pyqt learning path that he's working through yeah. which also seems to be really useful for people yeah just to have a very clearly laid out system for really getting up to speed on how to do GUI stuff with PyQT. And yeah, that's been quite cool, but not what uh, I'm talking about right now. Uh, This article, it's about the return statement. It's a good one for beginners, but it still does manage to be pretty thorough. You are going to see how to use the Python return statement in your functions and how to return single or multiple values from your functions and you know, go into what the best practices are for using return statements. But broadly, what's special about this tutorial is that it can help you fill in the gaps in your knowledge if you're self-taught. And it's just like another tutorial that covers a seemingly simple topic, but goes into a lot of depth on it, which is Mm -hmm. a bit of a reoccurring theme with our tutorials. We have a lot of deep dives into apparently simple topics. Uh, For example, we've got this one tutorial about the print function that I keep bringing up that really gets into it, gets to the (laughs) point where you're building a snake game with print. Like, (laughs) I feel like if I were to just start Googling like Python print, I would not be expecting that extensive of a dive into it that deep of a dive but it was just a really it was a really interesting read it definitely over delivered what i was expecting on that topic like what i would expect from it as a reader and uh, yeah we got plenty more deep dives like that if that's what you're looking for yeah definitely we're gonna twist his arm and get him on the show 
Um. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm pi- talking about PyQt. Yeah, definitely I know. I need to because he's. Uh, I don't know. It's at least four that have come out so far. I think <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's more planned. It's it's a pretty sweet learning path yeah, that we're planning for that's this. Be great. Okay, cool. So, what you got next, David? Yeah, that actually talking about PyQt is actually a good segue into the next topic that I have, which is. Python GUI programming with Tekinter. And let me see who. who <laughs> <this>? Nice. <laughs> oh, oh, it's me. <laughs> yeah, this is so. Bef- before I get into it here, I just want to say that I pulled this up in my browser before we started recording and I saw the date was January 22nd, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> this was published. And I was like, oh my God. How gosh, long ago does been, that feel I, like? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I was just a young, naive <laughs> guy back then, you know? Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this so this is actually a chapter from the Python Basics book, uh, which we've talked about. And this is another, I mean, almost a book in itself. I'm not going to lie. It's a long, it's a long, long introduction to GUI programming because I feel like it would take volumes of books to do the whole topic of GUI programming true justice. But this one was a lot of fun to write because I personally don't didn't have a lot of experience with with making GUIs in Python. So I I have worked with GUIs before. And in fact at a, a, a previous job I had years ago, uh, one of my primary tasks was making user interfaces for people, but it was not using uh, not using Python. So it was a lot of fun to dive into that part of, of the Python world, which I had never really explored. And one of the interesting things that I found was that, you know, this Tkinter thing comes with Python. It's, it's built in and there's a little bit of information if you read through the Python docs, but there's not a lot. And it just sort of felt like, I mean, how do you even get started with this? You know, and in the course of doing research, I found there are, you know, there's some books out there that have been written and 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 give you some some introductions to this and there's some some other resources i found on the web but some of them were incomplete or maybe felt like they had sort of started off strong but then kind of petered out eventually or you know one of the issues with tkinter is that it's not written in python it's written in a language called tickle um, or tcl and the, what tkinter is in the library is just a wrapper around that and so so you, when you search for a lot of examples you might come across examples that are written in like ruby or written in like even like perl or things like that or in tickle the original uh language and what i found was that if you really wanted to know how it works you had to go to the tickle documentation and just read it there and then sort of work through the layers to translate it back into python and it was kind of an arduous experience and so what i felt that I brought to this topic was sort of a, a more complete and I guess introduction to that sort of bringing all that research and knowledge into one one spot and and making it py- very python centric so it's it's just focusing on how to do it in python with with a lot of research to to back all that up so it was a lot of fun to write it's there's a lot of information packed into it. You learn, you know, it goes through the basics and you learn how to create some little widgets and things like that. It culminates in 
creating a couple of projects. And one that I thought was really cool to sort of show the power of Tkinter is just in a few lines of code. I think it's less than 50, if I remember correctly. It might be a little bit more, but definitely less than like 75. You build a little text editor. I mean, not not the world's foremost text editor application, obviously, but uh, but just a little simple text editor where you can open up files and edit them and save them and and things like that. And throughout the the article, there are little exercises sprinkled in, and those are taken straight from the Python Basics book. If you read the book, you get to the end of a section in the chapter, and there's a few exercises that you can do. So I I took a few of those exercises, sort of curated the ones that I that I wanted to put into the the web version and put those in as these interactive exercise components. And that was a real hit with with readers. If you scroll through the comments on the article, there's a lot of people saying, you know, how much they really liked seeing those exercises in there. It's it's something we've had on the website for a long time and it doesn't get used a whole lot, although I do try to sort of nudge authors sometimes where I think it would be really beneficial to, you know, add these exercises in. Right. Uh, and then, of course, we also have the quizzes, which is sort of taking that to the next level. But I think there's still a, a valid use case for these, these you know, exercises just being sprinkled into the article itself. But anyways, if if you're interested in Tkinter, then, you know, uh, maybe I have a biased opinion here, but I do think it's a really... <laughs> A really solid resource. I put a lot of uh, a lot of heart and soul into it, so hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a great article, like like one hundred percent. Yeah. Just so we have someone other than you saying it, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not biased at all. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> well, Tkinter is something that's included. Like, it's not something you have to import in. Well, I mean, you have to import it, but you don't have to uh, pip install you don't it. Install anything? Yeah, yeah, which is kind of interesting, and. That's true of almost all the GUI packages. The idea that the that they are sort of cross platform projects in order, yeah, for them to really be able to work across the platforms. <laughs> you know, the idea of working mm-hmm. on Windows and Linux and and all these different you know operating systems um, kind of goes back to my conversation with with Russell about Beware and the language that they are creating, and then having to translate that their GUI tool that would then also have to have like all these widgets and things that work in mobile also, which is mm, right. It's kind of interesting. So yeah. Yeah. So, and then this is really cool. Like if you think about it, like all the things that we're featuring here, like all these different categories or types of articles, we really wanted to share, like, you know, not only do we cover stuff about GUIs, web development from Flask and Django to math specific stuff, linear programming. And we've talked about a few other kind of math centric things across the, podcast Mm -hmm. data science tools hardware and kind of playing around in the project space to just the tooling that goes behind python itself things like packaging as a (laughs) as a resource at real python we wanted to really share what's available and you know kind of give you an idea of a a cross-section did i miss anything are there other categories that i missed I'm sure there are, but I can't think of any. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the basics, I think I didn't mention that. And, you know, obviously we have the Python basics book. Yeah. All these kinds of really great ways for people to kind of get started in Python, which is definitely a common thing that we kind of dive into. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to see where real Python has gone over the past, uh, really couple of, of years. I mean, this is, it's the first, this is the first year we've got a podcast. So it's the first time (laughs) we can kind of do this, this look back publicly like this, I guess. And so, yeah, it just, 
you know, like, like Joanna, I came on board in early, uh, 2018 was like around March. I think it's, it's just mind boggling to see the, the growth and, you know, what, uh, what we've accomplished and just how much we have out there available for people now. And we've, we've got the written content, we've got the video courses, we've got quizzes, we've got the podcast, we have the office hours that we're doing now. Yeah. Every, every uh, Wednesday we're doing that. June or when did that start? I'm trying to remember the date. It was around June. June, yeah. July. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the exact date either, but um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we've, we've got, um, you know, we've been doing that every week for, for that. I think we missed one week because my power was yeah. out for like six yeah. hours one morning and uh, a little bit of uh, flooding got and other crazy stuff going and, on around you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we've been doing that every, every week and that's, that's just been a blast. I mean, getting to be involved more in the, with the community and, and the, the people that are subscribing to real Python there. And so it's just, it's just amazing. I think just to see where, what we've accomplished in the past uh, couple of years and really the past year has been enormous growth as well for us. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot on there for, for, for folks to, to check out and to, and to enjoy. Yeah. And if you couldn't tell from all the names that we featured, you know, it's a real global operation, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, um, we featured people on the show from all, all, all the different time zones of the world, which I've been learning. <laughs> I think we've covered all of the continents except Antarctica. Yeah. I was about to say, I think, yeah, I think so, because I know we've got Australia covered yeah. mm-hmm. with uh, Anthony yeah, Shaw, Anthony, but yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah, I I don't know. Do you think there are any Python programmers in on Antarctica? Yeah, they're doing science. They just that was going to say they yeah. probably are. Internet connection actually, is yeah. questionable. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel disappointed now. <laughs> we need to reach out to some of these people. Twenty twenty one goal: get someone in Antarctica. All right, reach out to us, please. <laughs> right in. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I actually wanted to uh, stress that if you have questions or topics you want us to cover, there's resources on the site. To, to reach out to us, our email is out there, uh, podcast at realpython.com. Uh, we'd love to know uh, what you're interested in. And uh, again, those of you who've left reviews for the show, thank you for doing that. Um, if you like the show and like what we're covering, you know, please leave us a review. That really helps kind of grow the audience. And it's been really cool. And I've uh, enjoyed sharing all this stuff with you this whole year. And David, you've been such a great help and resource in helping me you know, bring in all those PyCoders articles and things for us to, to talk about. Yeah. We're excited to share way more information, articles, and projects with you uh, in the coming year. Absolutely. Well, Joanna, do you have any uh, parting things you want to say? Just letting you know that this was this year, but we've got a lot of good stuff to come, so stay tuned. Yeah, cool. All right, David. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and thanks, Joanna. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. All right, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And don't be a stranger. We'll have to bring you back. I would love to come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks again to Joanna Jablonski and Davey Amos for coming on the show. And I want to thank you for listening to the Real Python Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in your favorite player. And if you like the show, leave us a five-star rating and a review. You can find show notes with links to all the topics we spoke about inside your podcast player or at realpython.com slash podcast. And while you're there, you can leave us a question or a topic idea. I've been your host, Christopher Bailey, and I look forward to talking to you soon.